and welcome back to Life-Giving Habits from Seven Vineyard, where we're looking at things Jesus did and asking if we did them too, can we become more like Jesus? And so can they become life-giving habits for us? Today, Mal Culladine comes with a challenging message given in the new year of 2017 about where we might need to stop or change things instead of doing what we've always done. But as Mal explains here, in church, challenge and comfort link together. There are only two messages that you are ever going to hear in church. There are only two. And everything else is a variation on those two. Yeah? And those two are basically comfort and challenge. Theologically, you could say it's about grace or kingdom. Yeah? Grace that it's about your response, it's about God's responsibility. Doesn't matter what you do or where you are or where you're at, you know, the things that are outside of your control, God is still good and He's at work and He loves you and He is faithful and He will do it. That's a lovely message, isn't it? And it's a comforting message. And it's a message that we have to. That's when we talked before about pushing the pedal that's up. Every now and again, we need to know that it's the message of grace. It's the message of comfort that we need to receive. Now, you'll know with people that most of us um, take, most people you meet will receive your comfort. Yeah? They'll receive your encouragement. They'll receive it when you say, yeah, you're doing all right and you're a good thing. You're okay. God's with you. Bless you. You're a good, but um, we don't receive challenge from half as many people. See what I mean? Lots of people will accept our comfort, but not accept our challenge. Lots of people we will take comfort from. We won't take their challenge, which actually I think is to do with trust, which we'll hopefully come on to. So, I want you to, wherever you are this morning, I want you to get that you, you can't hear a message of challenge, a message of living into something for this new year, if you don't first hear a message of comfort. If you don't first hear a message that God is for you and with you, he is working out his purposes in your life. And that he is, he is despite your failings and the places where it, it hasn't or isn't working, He is still loving you and with you and for you. And he will do it. Yeah? He is is the God of grace. If we've got that as a foundation, that you know that God is good, that you know that God is with you, I hope that you can hear the challenge word of today. Because talking about habits normally takes us into a place of challenge. Yeah, it's, it's challenging. That's the point. Um, it's, it's to, we have, I think, a thing as a church is come as you are. We want everybody to come as we are. Do you know what I mean? Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. God is at work in our lives. He's getting our attention. My hope is he'll get your attention this morning in the areas where he's just tapping you on the shoulder, 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 shoulder. That's the thing, <laughs> saying... This is where I'm just getting your attention. This is what I'm wanting you to do, live into at the moment. So what, what's the, well, last, in the autumn, we were looking at worship as a, as a lifestyle, as a habit. 
And then as we started to look at the new year, it was like, well, I, I was looking back over what we've done in the past. And one of the first life-giving habits we did was on reflection. If you go to our website, you can see our... Um, uh, there's all the resources from the talks and some things to work on. And from the reflection one, uh, two years ago, we did uh, 15 reflection questions for 2015 as you're planning the coming year. And then last year, we did 16 questions for 2016. And you know what? I think for this year in there somewhere, there are 70 questions for 2017. But I'm not going to do those. But on, that, those, uh, on those resources is this worksheet. And I'd encourage you to look at it. Because as I was going through it, there were f about five of them that really got my attention as they are still really live for me. What do I need to stop doing? as I come into 2017. What am I doing that I, shouldn't, that I shouldn't be doing that I need to stop doing? How's my accountability? How's my accountability doing? Who am I, who, who, who am I asking to ask questions of me and my life? Who am, I, who am I being accountable to? There's lots of nice comforting questions in there too, like who encourages you? When are you going to get time with them? All that kind of thing. But um, the question that most got my attention was, uh, what are you going to surrender to? What are you going to submit to this year? There's one question about, what are you going to be apprenticed in in this coming year? I really like that um, the guy who runs Facebook has a new thing to, that he commits as a challenge to that he would become a learner, not a leader and that he would be a new learner. I think his one last year was to learn Chinese. I wonder how he's got on in the, in the last year. But um, something where you become a learner again. And then the, the one that really, I thought, that's the live word, I think, to us, is what is it you want to come under the mission of or surrender to? I love the word um, submission because it, it's a word that... Uh, I think I get its meaning better now. It's a word that I think is misused in our culture and often used offensively and inappropriately. But actually what it means, submission, is to come under a greater mission. Sub, like submarine, mission. To come under a greater mission. So where in our lives are we called to come under a greater mission? That was the question that really ettered me. So I thought, well, are we supposed to do vision as the habit for this thing? I said, well, no, not really. We're working up to vision. And Owen Clare is, is our rhythm as a church. You know, they'll come and do the vision talk at the end of this month. And it'll be preparing into that. But actually, vision isn't the focal point. Um, so is it planning? Planning is the outworking of vision. And not really. It's something about this. What does it mean to come under mission? What does it mean to... Um, to surrender, what does it mean to really sacrifice? And I think that's the word that I think, that's the habit that I want to suggest I think God is getting our attention about in this season. Really the question of um, where do you need to sacrifice? Where do you need, it was great, somebody in the first service said, Mal, when you first said that, I went, what the bloody hell is he talking about? <laughs> 
<laughs> he said, but as you unpacked it and told the story of it, it re- I've realized exactly what it is that I need to do and the area that God's getting my attention to, to sacrifice in. Because what I don't know if what you think of when you think of sacrifice. I did a series some time ago about good news, that sacrifice is often good news. Sacrifice is there's something better. There's something, a greater ideal is created by, some, by something that we sacrifice. This is the image that I most think of when I think of sacrifice. Does anybody remember this? This was the student uprisings in Tiananmen Square in China. And uh, the Chinese government sent the army in, and there's this massive phalanx of tanks that broke through the student lines. And there was one student in the bottom left-hand corner. There he is, who just would stand, holding his bags, would just, he stopped the Russian army. And he drew the, the world's attention. His sacrifice was to draw the world's attention to what was going on in that place. But what do we mean by sacrifice? Here's a dictionary definition. The surrender or destruction of something prized or desirable for the sake of something considered as having a higher or more pressing claim. That's the third definition in the OED. Um, yeah, the first is when a, a sacrifice of something as a physical, but actually the, the, when we say this was worth it for something better. It was worth making that sacrifice for something better. Where is it that you're called to make a sacrifice for something better? Because my understanding is is that we're in a status quo, that if, if uh, I've got some friends who work in Madagascar and they do uh, emerging leaders training, mainly in the prisons of Madagascar, they're amazing people, and they, t- they teach seven values to all these guys in Madagascar. And one of them is, um, if something's not working, change something. <laughs> and that's just their basic principle. If it's not working, change something. Just change something. Because, but the definition, as you probably know, of insanity is to keep doing the same things and expecting different results. Yeah? That actually, there's an expectation to change something. And when we change something, we create a breakthrough. If this is the status quo, that level, how do we increase the water level? Well, normally, it's one of three, um, one of three things will normally bring the breakthrough. Either um, uh, time, money, time, energy, or resources. So time, being able to give more time. I'm, I'm money rich, but I'm time poor. I spoke to somebody again in the break who was saying, I know the number one thing that if I'm going to see a change to my status quo and a breakthrough of what I dream of, I need to see, I have to release more time. And if I release more time, I know that will release more money and more energy to, to the things that I dream of doing. But at the moment, I'm just in that place. Some people, the first thing could be money. We always, I think, assume that it's money. Oh, well, if we sacrifice money to that thing, then t- energy and resources 
will their, sorry, energy and time will be released. One most noticeable thing in my journey from our time in Sheffield was that we had a church which had loads of young adults and lots of them came to faith at university and then they stayed on afterwards. And the number one thing that they said was, we don't have any money, but what we do have is time and energy. So um, we ended up with 40 guys doing, uh, committing their time a year to the church to give more time and more energy. And that released so many things for us to do as a church. So many things we were able to do into the city. So many opportunities that there were. And that released funding to do them. Do you see? It doesn't have to be Money is the first thing. It could be actually getting on with it. And by getting on with it, it releases the support. So which is the one for you? Which is the one that you most need to release? Uh, I'm next weekend going to get to celebrate with a church that I've had the privilege of working with for the last five years. Um, they were a church plant into the docks area in Gloucester, um, right near where the retail outlet mall is. And they're an amazing church. They've grown in five years to about the same size as seven. They have two services on a Sunday morning. The only, they do Alpha amazingly. They have about 60 people a term on Alpha. Um, and they see loads of people become Christians. And most of them don't join their church but they have a real sense they're called to bless their city and their region. So they bless people out. They're a brilliant church. But for the first six months, the couple leading it were invited uh, to start leading this community and they tried to gather a few people to them and they had this big building and seven people over 70 who were the remnant still in that building who were saying, please come in and do something. And nothing was really breaking through. Nothing was really happening. And I said to them, I got to meet with them and said, I think the problem is um, uh, you live in another town. You live in the next town along. And nobody thinks you're, you're not as committed as them to, to the project. So although you've started this project, the first six months have been horrible and hard because you don't look like you're sacrificing. And basically... In a cooked breakfast, there's a chicken and a pig who were both involved. And you guys look like chickens. Chickens are involved in the making of that cooked breakfast, but the pig, the pig was committed to that breakfast. And I think the people around you are assuming you look like chickens, not pigs. And you're getting a chicken return not a pig's return. And you guys wear a leather jacket every now and again, but actually it's time you became pigs. And so they said, all right. And the big thing for them was they owned a lovely house in the next town along, but they said, okay, we'll sell our house and we'll go through the scary and uh, you know, all the non-knowing things of, of moving into the community we most want to be based in uh, even if we have to leave behind, sacrifice our lovely house. The moment they became pigs, everything changed. 
The moment they became pigs, the church suddenly, as they sacrificed for a greater reward, something started to give. As they, as they sacrificed for a greater reward, something started to give. And there was suddenly, boom, the church started to grow incrementally. So now they're, within five years, they're at 300. Amazing. Amazing. Where is the Lord calling you to be a pig where you know you've acted like a chicken? <laughs> that is the question of the morning. Um, it's normally hard. The surrender of something that's important for the sake of something considered as higher always does involve a sacrifice. But actually, everywhere that there is life starts with sacrifice. You look at is, um, the, the, the finish of the Bible finishes with the imagery of Revelation 22 and the river of God flowing through communities. That is taken from a picture in, in, the, in the prophetic book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel 47, the, the Revelation 22 is the fullness of this image of the revelation of God, of this river that flows out from the presence of God, the temple. And as it flows out, it flows and it's ankle deep and then knee deep and then waist deep and then a river that he cannot cross. And then so he has to dive in and dive into the, the deep places of the world. And then it says the final destination of this river is the places where there will be people where they, they, they see fruit and healing every month. And the reason they see fruit and healing is because the river flows from the altar in the temple. In other words, this imagery means it flows from the place of sacrifice. Any move of life, any move of God doing something spectacular starts at a place of sacrifice. If it doesn't start with sacrifice, it's comfort. It then doesn't lead to the challenge. It doesn't lead to the breakthrough of what God is doing. I was a, we, um, the greatest blessing, I think, for, for Chriselle and I now, one of our things has been, okay, we don't have much money, when can we release more time? One of the ways that we decided to release time was that Chriselle's work saying, we, um, we, we don't think that Chriselle should work more than four days a week so that we can make sure we get time because the thing that we weren't getting as a young uh, family was time. So we went back to employers and said, not willing to work unless it's four days. And that was a challenge. Not everybody wanted to hear that. And it was also scary for us financially of will we be able to cope and all that kind of thing. But actually, it was for the benefit of something greater. It was for the investment in something greater was that we actually did get time to tend to our marriage and saying, we're going to prioritize our marriage more than the craziness of how busy we were. Has there been a sacrifice? Yeah. Has it been worth it? Absolutely. In so many ways. This is um, where I really want to land into this. If you're thinking about where sacrifice is for you, these are two of the greatest authors of our age. Uh, and John Piper and Richard Foster. Richard Foster, who actually this series uh, is based on his book, Celebration of Discipline. Um, 
both of them are saying the three greatest things where we don't want to give up control is around money, sex, and power. And that sooner or later, uh, where we're called to sacrifice, it links to one of these three. It links to one of these three. So where's God getting your attention about sacrifice? If it's money, let's start with that one. What does it mean to lose control of money? Well, I think I was most impacted about the concept of tithing uh, when it was around the issue of control. So I don't know about you, I, I was always wary about money and church, mainly because I think of what I'd been so appalled by seeing in the media about American churches. You know, that kind of, so into this thing and you'll get a blessing. And all that, give us your money, give us your money, give us your money. And it was, I don't believe that that's who God is. I don't believe that's who God is at all. But I do think that there are over 5,000 verses about money in the Bible and only two about the virgin birth. I think that money is a really important issue, a really important issue for us to struggle with and to work what place does it have in us and is there any places it's controlling us. But the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money can be used for good or ill. It's the love of money that's the root. That's the root of all evil. When, uh, when I felt really challenged on this, it was around the idea of tithing because I've been wary of tithing. It was, I don't want to give over control to anybody else. Yeah, I want to give money to, to altruistic things and beyond, be beyond myself, but I want to control it. And then I looked at some teaching that was saying, the Old Testament you know, is saying, calls, calls it a tithe to mean a tenth, the first tenth of your income to be given as worship to God. And it was like, great. Now, I've said some people say that that first tenth can be given as a party, to be set aside as a party to celebrate God and all his goodness. But actually, um, the Old Testament doesn't say that. It says that it was also given, given to the elders, to then given to the widow, the alien, the outsider, the refugee, to the poor, and uh, to, the, to, the, to the priest. And that actually one of the things that it meant was that I was losing control, giving over it to somebody else, saying, I trust you to allocate this better than me. Do you get it? That was my sacrifice. The real sacrifice of tithing was actually one of control. I want to control what I do with my money altruistically rather than my understanding of tithes and offerings is the tithe is 10% that you give, a, a, almost you, you say, Lord, it's not under my control. And I give it over to my faith community to use in, in the ways that are appropriate. And then on top of that is then offerings of what I want to do with it. 
So we have a separate bank account that we put a bit of money into each month. And for us, that's our offerings. And some of that we'd give to church, a church initiative. Some things we'd give to individual. Some things, some we'll, we'll twin our toilets or we'll, we sponsor a child in Uganda or whatever. They're things that we're doing that are our offering. That's not our tithe. That's not our first thing because that first 10% we don't have control over. And that's a sacrifice. It's quite challenging, isn't it? To actually outwork the, does this really work? Does it work that way? Well, all I can tell you is going back to that definition is that if you sacrifice for something, you assume that there is a better, there is a better goal in the end. And all I can tell you is when we've done this well, God has been more gracious and faithful and we've had more resources around than when we've tried to hold it to ourselves. When we've hold it, held it to ourselves and tried to control ourselves, it hasn't worked. When we've, when we've given and said it's not in our control, then we've been financially okay. And I think that's the miracle of how God wants our hearts to be in a place where we are giving it over. So I've actually said to people, okay, if you're not sure if this is for you, give it a go. Give it a go for a few months. Try for three months Test how it works. You know, know what your income is beforehand and see what comes in. Then try tithing and do it for, a few, for, a, for three months and see if you're worse off at the end of it. And rather rationally, because I'd heard somebody else say, I thought, that's brilliant, I'm going to do this. I said, if you're worse off, I'll pay the difference. <laughs> let's, test, let's, let's see if this stuff works. If you're worse off, I'll pay the difference. I've never had to pay the difference. I've never had to pay the difference. There's something about a sacrifice for a greater aim and a greater goal. So is money an area of sacrifice to actually lose control in some areas? Yeah, I think it is. And probably the one of giving and tithing is, is the most obvious where I think a sacrifice comes into being. Um, the second is around sex. That's question five of the, uh, of the uh, worksheet of the 16 questions for 2016. Um, the verse that John, is in the top of that John Piper verse, living in the light, is 1 John 1. 1 John 1 verse 5, where it says, if, if we live in the light as he is in the light, then we have real fellowship with one another and real fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus brings purity from all that falls short. There is a sacrifice of being vulnerable and real somewhere, especially about where you're up to sexually, whether you're married or single, that you have a place to bring things into the light that's real, that's honest. In our church in Sheffield, I remember a great evening service where there was hundreds of people. And then during worship, people just started to come up and uh, pray or say what they sensed God saying. And uh, this one guy got up and uh, he started to confess all his sexual sin in front of 600 people in detail. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, <laughs> this like... This is not the right place uh, for this. But wow, 
you're doing something extraordinary because you've sacrificed in a way. You've got this a bit wrong in that we'd want to trust that if you bring this into the light with one trusted person, that would be good. <laughs> and, uh, and we don't need to all know the details. That would be really good. But, um, but actually, what you've done is raised, you know, he, he raised the bar that day. He raised the bar of being real and honest about sex in our community that nobody else got up and shared in front of 600 people. But I tell you, it raised the bar of people going, I want to go and be real with, a, with somebody I trust and bring things into the light that it can make a difference. Does that make sense? That, I'm, that I can actually see fellowship with God and fellowship one, with one another. And as I bring things into the light, then as I sacrifice almost my embarrassment, actually God honors that. And I remember that I was right at the back of the church, just weeping, looking at this guy going, all I know is God's going to bless you for doing this. Because you've just raised the bar on our church of how we deal with, you sacrificed in a way that has made us a much more real community. And the water level has just changed in this day. Finally, um, maybe the Lord's challenging you about uh, sacrificing power. Well, what, what do I mean by power? Well, where do you have responsibility and where do you have control? I even say this to those of you who are parents. Um, you know, the classic thing of power is do what I say. Why? Because I said so. Actually, the best parenting uh, material that I've seen talks about the idea that good parenting involves shared control and actually giving up some of the authority and the, the this is who I am, actually if, if, if you're going to come into maturity, if you're going to come into maturity, you need to own this issue. You need to own this issue as well. You need to own the consequences of this as well. And therefore, I need to share with you some of the control of how this actually works. But if it's just going to be, I'm going to be a sergeant major, I'm not sacrificing any of my authority. But actually, you're not growing. Do you see what I mean? Sometimes power becomes, it stops us being... Um, Humbled, stops us, us being in a place of humility, keeps us in a, in a place of confidence and control. So where's the place that you are called to a bit of sacrifice? Where's the Holy Spirit just tapping you on the shoulder as we are talking this morning and saying, that's the area, that's the area that, that you need to attend to. That's the area that you need to attend to. I'd like to spend some time just in his presence now, just asking him to confirm that to you. What's he saying? What's the plan? What's your response? So let's spend a couple of minutes praying. You may want to lean forward. You might want to stand. You might want to kneel. Whatever makes you feel like, Lord, I'm doing... I'm doing business with you. I'm, I'm asking your presence to increase 
in our midst right now. 